0: Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 104.5 FM in Oat Bay. Justin, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Good
1: evening, sir. Always a pleasure to be on.
0: It is indeed. We had a conversation last time out. You were calling for people to come and participate in, I don't know what the scheme was, but specifically it was for entrepreneurs and SMEs. Now you have penned an article focusing as to the uproar that is absent about corporate capture, particularly because of the impact it typically does have on the average South African business or enterprise that simply never sees the light of day because of what is happening in the corporate space, largely in big business. And, of course, I'm not trying to bastardize big business in the general sense. I've read Uh the article. There are those who haven't. Do you just want to quickly go over the salient points over your article so that we can engage this very vexing question?
1: Yeah, sure. And I think it uh, speaks to your last, um, well, the theme on your show tonight about accountability. So, I mean, how do we have it? We've got chronic load shedding, high rates, and crippling unemployment. But the JEC is at all-time record highs. Um, And if you look at the state of global macroeconomics, M1 or monetary supply, is at all-time highs. Um, The RAND is still one of the top three traded currencies against the dollar. But if you look at our proportion of GDP to the velocity of money in our systems, um, it's the slowest it's been in the last 50 years. Um, so we have this case where we have rising inflation, but not actual strong GDP growth. It's almost deflation. Um, and when you look at the amount of money coming in, which is quite easily trackable through through bonds and currency, and the fact that the rand is and um, the top three traded currencies against the rand or against the dollar, rather, um, you can see that money has been hoarded. A um, very indicative is that um, CFR compared to Richmond. Is up 500 percent year on year uh, in terms of sales. So it's not a monetary problem, uh, problem we have; it's a disbursement of capital, and uh, corporate South Africa has to be held accountable.
0: And I suppose that is a sort of micro, um, micro, rep- microcosmic representation of South Africa, the country. I mean, there are spaces that simply haven't anything, and there are spaces adjacent to that. Space that is bare and barren, that have more than they need. So, South Africa is really a country that struggles with distribution. I'm just going to use the word distribution and no more. Articulate further, when we're talking about distribution in the context of your article, in the context of money not going where it should be going, in policies and in systems seemingly favourable to others and correspondingly unfavourable to others, which doesn't quite allow the fluidity of capital flows within South African hands, within businesses, creating value chains, creating national champions even, that therefore creates this an equal society
1: yeah well I mean look at look at what's topical right now let's look at COP 26 so there's a huge amount of money that's been uh, granted to our people to transition from coal to green energy and on paper it looks it looks amazing right it's billions and billions of dollars but let's look at let's take it as a case study so the money will come in and it will come in at the government peristatal level for for purpose you know, business units that can disperse the cash and in this case, it'll be issuers like the IBC, DBSA, and Land Bank. So what usually happens in this case, it's because there's a, there's a mismatch of first-world capitalistic distribution models and third-world uh, characteristics, which stone gel, which means these price statal units have to be self-sufficient and profitable, which means that this money coming in, which sounds great on paper, in the billions and billions of rands, you know, what's the first thing they're gonna do? Is they're gonna refinance their existing debt and loan book. So you have a you, have, you actually have a fractional amount of this capital that's supposed to be coming in actually being utilized because the rest of it's gone to well, you know, in certain terms, refinance bad debt or bad deals. So when you look at money coming in, you can easily apply a multiplier of fourteen X. So if you get one Rand in just because of leveraged structured finance, you should be able to get fourteen Rand out. Um, in the financial systems, uh-huh. so now you've got these billions and billions of rands that come in, and just say you get one billion out. That's going to go into the IDC and the DBSA and Land Bank, and then what happens there is the same usual players. I mean, they can only distribute cash to credible and uh, let's say uh, people with track record in the space, and it's the usual players in the fund management space. The problem with this is that there, there's no distinguishment in South Africa between private equity and venture capital. Private equity is supposed to be soft, friendly capital to get a business from zero to up and running. Whereas private equity, sorry, that's venture capital, private equity is supposed to be, not that your company is up and running, you're supposed to get that company to 10X. In South Africa, there's no distinguishment. Venture capital is, moved, is merged into private equity. So what happens is these fund managers come and they say, okay, we're big enough. You trust us. Give us money. Uh, they do it on a drawdown basis, so that uh, technically they can say they have 500 million dollars or they 500 don't have. million, which they don't have. It's on a drawdown basis, and it's still kept at the IDC. But the the Paris state will look good because they've got obviously targets to to get rid of. Right? They've got a. They're in the lending environment, so they've got to lend cash. So they've committed the cash to fundex. Fundex has accepted the cash. But Fundex never does any deals because I can't look bad if I don't do any deals and fail. So there's a big discrepancy between, uh, shall we say, it, the risk appetite of the people that actually accept the cash in, um, and that never matches with the actual characteristics of their of the underlying beneficiaries that actually need the cash.
0: Let me just ask a question perhaps that I should have asked you before because I'm reading the article here, and specifically you refer to the fact that the economic and political landscape is often cited as a reason why capital can't get into the country. You then go on to speak to what I believe to be a truism But the truth is that we have more than enough capital in South Africa or that which is willing to come into the country. And this is the problem statement. The problem is the corporate capture is rampant. The cheap dollar and euro liquidity seeking decent emerging market yields is held captive and hoarded by a few major players in key industries. Well, I understand how that reads, but somebody in the key industry will simply say that's just how commerce works. You build a reputation, you build a legacy, you build a brand to which... People who have the money will be comfortable parting with their money where there is no other obligation to do so in parting with the money. They need to be secured of certain things where it is a return of investment, um, a credible way and efficient governance so that when the money is spent and should it not come back, at least there's proven expenditure on this which doesn't yield, which would be unfortunate. But to simply blindly trust Songhez or with your money in the venture capital context when he's got nothing to prove other than passion, it probably makes it a very compelling case then to go to care industries. The question then you, I'm putting to you is you say that happens and you say that is corporate capture and more, you are saying there isn't an uproar to this current system as in, as is employed. Do you want to elaborate on that?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you make some good points. You Fund managers exist for a reason, right? You need someone that's skilled, educated, and has track record with money, like you said. But this is also a problem where we are using first-world um, capitalistic models in a third-world country that just doesn't gel with that. So I'm not saying re, let's rewrite the model, but you've got to look at different indicators in the local currency because if you look at if you look at us unemployment is what over 30 40 percent uh coverts hit uh, and we and that we still haven't fully addressed the structural ramifications of apartheid so to fully employ a first of all private equity or venture capital model in south Africa is never going to be fit for purpose um the question is also, what
0: should be the south african model sorry I'm going to jump a few steps here. yeah sure. what should be the south african business model, funding model, investment conference, FDI model simply because precisely on the apartheid infrastructure which has not been attended to and there isn't a sign that it will be attended to, apartheid infrastructure in the sense that it has created and maintains these two or three worlds in one small population of 50 million, that is South Africa. So many people, the majority of, are off the grid and especially financially illiterate, but it doesn't mean they aren't able to create something in their circumstances to eke out a decent living it's just a question of how money finds them or doesn't or the system conspires against them such that the money in the first place doesn't get to how do we create then a fingerprint for south africa that allows the offspring that is required
1: yeah i think that's something that what uh, at my growth fund we've done right is that we realize that the the three aspects of being a successful entrepreneur which is number one skills development number two is actually contracted work Number three, funding, have got to be in line. So in South Africa, these three things are very misaligned or very siloed. There's very rich merchant capital. There's people that are using, and shall I say rather unethically, uh, taking grant money and using it for incubators, accelerators, and then not funding the other actual capital they have in private equity deals. And then the last aspect is merging those three together. Um, We also have to be, we would be remiss to not, note that a lot of the money coming in from foreigners or DFI money, there's a huge concessionary price built into it as well as grant money. And uh, all capital that comes into these funds are treated the same way. So we also have to look at the fund managers. We sit on enormous amounts of money, earn fees, um, and have a look through to the actual underlying beneficiaries. Um, so not just return on equity, not just return on debt, but actually you know, what has your fund done in actual deployment of capital Yes, you're sitting on four million or four billion u s dollars, but what is that in terms of socio economic development into South Africa? We've got to create more um innovative and uh quite frankly young fit purpose tools for South Africa.
0: Would this essentially be corporate capture or would it simply be how corporates have always done things and it isn't per se in their interest to change it? Because at a minimum, they are not disserviced by the system as it is. So why would they want to rattle the cage, as it were? Why would they want to change a system from which they're not getting any drawdowns from? If any, I mean, drawbacks from. If anything, they're getting drawdowns. They're getting yeah, benefits. look,
1: I think it's I think it's human nature. I think it's people taking the path of least resistance. Like one of the big topics I cover in the piece is the enterprise supply development issue,
0: mm-hmm. which,
1: as you know, has a ton of money. Uh, that sits with the usual five or six fund managers that never gets deployed. So, you know, when I speak to a board um, of a fund and the first thing they ask me is, how are we going to get our points? You know, it's fiscal dumping as opposed to doing the best for the underlying beneficiary. It's not, how can we use this money the best way uh, to get to the underlying beneficiary and upskill them, give them contracts and fund them. It's how can I get rid of my money and get the points? But so,
0: let, let's talk about this. So anything between, depends which country we are talking about, anything between 15 to 40% of a nation's GDP is public procurement. We know how big public procurement plays a role in creating. These small businesses in this country and in some instances creating larger businesses in this country and taking state monies into the hands of private South Africans so that the overall socioeconomic picture may increase. And at the same time, while attending to fundamental constitutional rights, for instance, social security is being distributed could we perhaps not even hold government to account on that account on the basis that they ought, one, to ensure that every rand is spent and well accounted for, not the story that we keep hearing the year after the year from the Auditor General. And two, precisely because big contracts have subcontracting, we ensure that ESD, Enterprise Supplier Development, is a KPA of a contract its performance on the contract and its ability of the main contractor to develop enterprises such that those enterprises in good time would be in a position to compete and can stand on their own? Shouldn't government equally, with its own money, which amounts to billions of rands, closer to a trillion by most accounts, prop—I mean, on, through public procurement, have some form of control, at least over public funds, to achieve this purpose?
1: Well, I do agree, but from a government point of view and in the, high li- in the context of what can be done in South Africa, and let's just say the last retrospective 30 years and let's look forward to the next 10 years, uh-huh. we just don't have the infrastructure at present, right? So what we've got to do is get regulation and laws in place. But then when you have the laws in place like the BE laws, they're uh, misused uh, for personal gain. Uh, for example, fiscal dumping in preferential procurement is a huge issue. And you can easily see this when you take the BE scorecard of any listed company and you superimpose that against their ED score, the ESD score, and the preferential procurement score. They've got points for ED, they've got points for ESD, but there's no points for preferential procurement because they've bought them, they've bought their fiscal dump, they've bought points, and they haven't addressed any of the issues in their own supply chains. So when you have these multinational corporates that have billions and billions of rands to circulate, but their own preferential procurement chains are absolutely dismal. State, you know, it's kind of it's very indicative to what's been done. Um, it's how do I get my points this year and how to go on holiday uh, and take my kids yeah, on no, holiday. A mischief.
0: I accept it's a mischief. I absolutely accept it's a mischief. The question then is, how do we rewrite the playbook? Where specifically in the playbook do we start?
1: Well, I think it's accountability because if you look at state capture, right, when you look at anything related to the guptas or to national parties and certain individuals, there's always, you know, hands pointed at, you know, what could you do to fix this pot? or where's my where's my money going? How can we tax revolve? But if you look deep down at corporates, I mean, I'm talking to the banks in terms of having 10 times the amount of cash on hand compared to capital adequacy ratios. I'm talking to the ESD funds that never deploy any money. I'm talking to corporates that deploy money in 12J structures, which is uh, if you're putting your money into a 12J structure, you're thinking about what's the best way to get a return on the money instead of helping the underlying beneficiary. You've got to look at the people in these roles. You know, Are they skilled? But if they are skilled, are they too scared to go up and stand to the boards? And if the boards are worth this knowledge – and it, it is always my firm belief that if a company is run well from the start, it will not have a diversity problem. It will not have an ESD or preferential procurement issue. So I, I think it speaks to a lot of the mindset of SA companies in terms of how businesses are structured, natural diversity, um, and just the intent because it's almost a retroactive issue of going to fix BE scorecard as opposed to a company being run um, with good governance and with good vision that's all encompassing and introducing people from all walks of life into a value chain that they can benefit. And mm-hmm. if you do that, a company will be, you know, automatically pass all of the stick box exercises. But it's retrospective.
0: Can you say anything finally about CETAs? Because to an extent, they have a role to play in the context of what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, look, if you look at the CETAs, and uh, you can, this is fully auditable because you can, they're listed entities so you can find the site. But a lot of them, if you look at the last two calendar years, a lot of them have not spent all the capital allocations. Big so for, so for, for a CETA to close a year having not spent 100 to 250 million rands with the funds that got a, could have gone directly to skills and jobs and interns, there's, there's a serious problem there. There's a serious problem, uh, but also you need to look at the disbursement models. You know, having dealt with them myself, they look at the entity that's coming to get the funding instead of how is the funding going to flow to the end of beneficiary. It's almost a wholesale lending model as opposed to a flow through model. So, like I said again, uh, a, lot of the, a, lot of, a lot of our parastatal DFIs are using first-world methodologies Mm -hmm. um, that are just not suited to the characteristics of the people that need the money in our country.
0: There we agree, and I have to end it there. We certainly have lots more to talk about. We've had two conversations. I'm looking forward to the third one. Thank you, Justin. Mr. Justin Naidu, Chief Investment Officer at My Growth Fund Venture Partners, weighs the uproar over corporate capture. He's written a whole article as to what needs to be done to change, especially the experience of your smaller, medium, and macro enterprises in this country.